And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the the issues that go on in the world today. It could be a current event, news item. It could be something historical. It could be something from the world of politics, something from the world of religion and the church. We just never know where it's going to come from, where the news of the day, so to speak, is going to come from. But we like to look at it through a biblical perspective because, after all, that's the only perspective that really matters when you're a follower of Christ. And we like to just kind of share what we know and share what we think about things and hopefully then provide that to you so that you, the listener, can then you know judge for yourself whether or not you would like to agree or disagree with what we have to say. And, and Dan, one of those issues that comes up every fall of the year, especially within the church, is that of Halloween. Halloween falls actually on a Sunday this time. It's uh, October 31st every year, which is also coincidental, if not, well, maybe it's not coincidental. Maybe it just happens this way that it also is on uh, Reformation Sunday that they're you know, on yeah. the same day because Reformation was, uh, I guess, October 31st. First, fifteen seventeen, I believe, and that's when Martin Luther, you know, um, hammered onto the church the things he disagreed with, as far as the church right. goes, uh, the theses, and so, um, mm-hmm. and so, a lot of things going on at this time of year, but uh, definitely the biggest one, as far as the church goes, and the question mark as to whether we should celebrate or not, that is of Halloween, and so I thought, you know, as it's this time of year, we could maybe delve into that a little bit and just kind of get your thoughts and opinions. I know you've got uh, some stories that you'd like to share because it, it really is. It's something that when it comes to the spiritual world, we like to look at Halloween, for example, but it could be any time of year. I've seen people on social media post stuff about tarot cards or going yeah. to like mediums or, you know, they look at their horoscope and I see people say like, you know, oh, Taurus is this and Aquarius is this. And I guess recently uh, something came out of retrograde like Mercury or Venus or Pluto and supposedly, you know, when that happens, uh, things are supposed to get better. But while I guess it's Mercury who's in or is in retrograde, it's like Murphy's Law. Anything that could happen, bad will happen. You know, so there's a lot of people believing stuff that um, if you open yourself up to it just a little bit, it can consume you, even though it might be innocent. You know, it can consume you. And And Halloween is one of those things where we like to think of it as being innocent. But it really is an opportunity for the spiritual world to really get into us and to kind of plant some seeds of whatever it might be to deceive us and to kind of pull us away from focusing and keeping our eyes on Jesus. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, it's, it's the it's the time of year when a lot of people are engaging in things like um, haunted houses and scary movies. And, you know, there's just something about this season that a lot of people I think have become conditioned to, um, to try to look for kind of a thrill, a frightening kind of a thrill. And, um, you know, the, the thing about that is if you're not discerning and you just, you just, you know, jump out to have any kind of thrill that's out there, you might end up doing something like, for example, that I know, uh, you know, I like to tell the story of how when my wife Tammy was a teenager, uh, she was um, hanging out with a group of about seven or eight teenagers and somebody, you know, had a Ouija board that they uh, got a hold of. And uh, I think my wife knew, you know, that, hey, this isn't something that we should really be you know, messing with it all. But, um, you know, like a lot of times with teenagers, I mean, I'm sure she probably just kind of, um, 
you know, didn't maybe say a whole lot when that, when it first started. Well, um, Tammy describes how it, it got to a point there with the board where um, it started to move this little, uh, this little piece on the board that moves to different letters. Um, it's that, that piece, it started to move without anybody touching the piece. And I guess that that's kind of typical, I guess, with these Ouija boards, but it started to move on its own and it spelled out the letters K I L L T A M M Y. And so that kind of freaked her out, of course, um, fortunately and thankfully son, I mean, there wasn't, you know, somebody in that group that was inclined to act on that. Like we, we do hear sometimes with, um, you know, maybe a teenager who's, you know, high on drugs or something. Um, but, uh, fortunately there was, you know, no, there were no incidents from that, but, but it, it was a, it was an experience. I believe with the demonic realm, which, you know, Ouija board is an occultic, you know, they call it a game. Um, but, um, it's, it's, it's an occultic tool. It, it, it opens up a pathway for demons. And I tell you, if somebody doesn't believe that son, all they have to do, you know, go online and check out the hundreds, even the thousands of people who've said, wow, you know, this happened when we were messing with a Ouija board. And, um, very bizarre things, very demonic things. I mean, does everybody have that happen when they mess with the Ouija board? Probably not. But I think it certainly happens enough that it's just one of those things, Son, that that, that people um, don't want to mess with. You know, the other thing I know that a lot of people play as teenagers is this game called Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, where somebody lies on the ground and then you you maybe repeat that phrase or something, however it's supposed to work, and and then you get some people around the, the person lying down, and you just like put your fingers just like right under, like two of your fingers or four, you know, maybe four fingers, uh, you know, just under the person, lightly under their shoulder, there, whatever, wherever you're at, and then and then you're supposed to just kind of just see that body lift up as you just kind of, because it becomes so light, it starts to levitate. And many people have, have, um, have said that they, they, they participated in that son where, I mean, you know, let's just take a, a body, whether, whether that person weighs a hundred pounds or 130 pounds or whatever. Um, and so they're lying on the ground and maybe they have four or five or, you know, six people around them. And now all of a sudden their body is starting to go up into the air um, and that's why I guess they call it light as a feather, you know, stiff as a board. So, uh, you know, but it, it's these sorts of quote unquote games that people can play that um, are, are dangerous to play because you open up your, your life then to the demonic. And, and what people would read in a lot of these testimonies online is that when people dabble with the occult and when they open up their, their life to that, unless you pray in the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, you know, you confess your sin to him. You, you, you confess that, you, you know, you should have been dabbling with those dark occultic things. Uh, but until you do that, I mean, there've been people who've been oppressed by demons um, in their home. I mean, all sorts of crazy things that have happened because the spiritual world is real. And, and ultimately what demons want far more than to have you mess with a Ouija board or, or play some occultic game like that is they, they want to drag your soul to hell. And, and so they'll look for any way they can to have access to a person's life. And, and when a person is living in sin, or in this case, dabbling with some dark occultic object, um, 
you open up your life to spiritual darkness. That's just a reality. Um, you know, it, it's just almost humorous in a way, son. And you know, you've got certain atheists and others who'll say, well, you know, they, they don't believe the supernatural is real. Um, well, then you're, you're living with your head buried in the sand because, um, you know, in, in many other parts of the world, people live with the reality of the supernatural every day. Um, you know, they, they, they experience that every day in, in some very weird uh, ways that manifest. And, and it happens here in America, but typically not as much with those things, because I think the devil's strategy in America seems to be we can't really let the cat out of the bag. We can't really let, let people who think we're not real, we can't let them know we're real, because then that might get them a step closer to Jesus, um, because only he can defeat darkness and deliver a person from demonic oppression or even possession. Um, so anyway, it's, yeah, it, it's the time of year when um, spiritual sensitivities are, are really um, at play, and like you said, though, you know, as Christians, Reformation Day coming up this Sunday, and maybe we'll talk about that today as well. But but that is, of course, on the positive side, what many Christians choose to focus on, um, you know, on October 31st, and, and rightly so, uh, because that was such a victory in the Christian church, and it, it, it unleashed so much of the Holy Spirit um, through the gospel into the world uh, as compared to the, the dark angels that are, you know, are also obviously working in the world as well. You know, Dan, the other thing that's somewhat frightening is, first off, people will disregard it as if there's no other side, there's no ghosts, there's no goblins, it's just a game, and that's all people are doing are playing. But it's also advertised as a child's game you know it's i think milton bradley holds the patent on it i don't think they've invented the game i don't think they're that old of a company but i know they have the patent on it and i think hasbro another toy company i think they've got permission unless it's the same company to uh, sell the game and um so it is designed to be a kid's game sold by you know toy companies and the other thing too is that when you have something that is kind of again i guess advertised to young people you know, they're not going to fully understand what it is that they're getting into because they think it's just a game. You know, it's right there on the shelves next to, you know, possibly Candyland, Monopoly, exactly. go to the head of class, shoots and ladders. And so, you know, the way it's kind of packaged and advertised is innocent. And so people could innocently walk into something like this and then be exposed to it without even knowing about it. Oh, Totally, son. And I think, of course, that seems to be the devil's strategy with this. You know, uh, the Bible said he masquerades as an angel of light. And, you know, what what better way to um, to try to, um, you know, really interfere with a young person's life than to just, you know, uh, have it have it be a so-called game, you know, an innocent game, a fun game. Well, there's nothing fun about uh, about being oppressed by demons. And that's what you're inviting into your life when you mess with a Ouija board, when you dabble with the occult. You mentioned tarot cards, uh, when, when people dabble with a seance, you know, son. I mean, it, it's uh, when people pray to the dead, um, you know, uh, and I think uh, from our discussions, you and I might be discussing that topic a little bit more next week in the, in the podcast. But but that, of course, is also a uh, a deal with, with, with Halloween. And, um, you know, it's just too bad that people... 
resort to those things when, when you can call on the Lord and experience, you know, God's power in your life. And that is, that's what, that's what we were created to experience. Um, why, why would we ever want to, uh, you know, dabble with the dark side when, when the Lord's inviting us to, uh, to flow in his power and in his love and his grace and mercy. You know, one of the things that's, uh, was fun about the 1990s, I believe we're still the 1990s, was late night infomercial television. I mean, you had all kinds of things from, you know, the Floby vacuum haircut thing to wax that you could put on your car and then light on fire and the wax would protect your car from the flames and, I mean, mega memory stuff. And I remember two distinct things related to this conversation was, uh, I think her name was Miss Cleo. She was a psychic that was supposedly from Jamaica. She had this Jamaican accent, and she would um, basically people would call in and supposedly tell the fortunes. I mean, I just you would watch the infomercials, so it wasn't like you were getting readings on TV or anything. It was just that it was advertising it, you know, for like, you know, eighteen ninety nine a minute or something like that. And then you had um, right. the Psychic Friends Network with Dion Warwick, and they she would be advertising it, you know, getting people to call in, and they would do their, uh, you know, little snippets of interviewing people that would have their psychic reading and everything's great. And I always thought it was interesting, first of all, that every single reading was always a positive and glorious reading. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that, you know, every single thing in everybody's life, every time a psychic does a reading is going to be perfect, joyous, wonderful, etc. You think there'd be some down yeah. moments, but see, you can't have that because then people aren't going to call in and want it. And then two, right. I, you know, then two, I often thought too, that it becomes self-fulfilling. For example, this is the point I want to bring up to you. So for example, you know, we're supposed to, you know, look to God, guidance through the Holy Spirit, read the Bible, pray, things will be revealed to us as far as God's plan for us and what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. If we struggle, mm-hmm. we can go to him. And so that is our source. But when you have people, maybe even it's the Ouija board or you have the tarot cards or even a psychic telling you something, I think then we yeah. start to look to ourselves to make it kind of self-fulfilling right we want to okay yeah if let's say miss cleo for example says you're going to meet somebody who is blonde haired blue eyes and that's going to be your soulmate well now that's all you're looking for out there you're not no you're no longer following the leading and guiding of the holy spirit you're looking for this blonde haired blue eyed person which might not even be the person yeah. god has for you or take any number of things a job you know they might say this new job is coming and it's going to be this and so that's all you do is look for that type of job but maybe god has another job in store and you totally miss it because you're just focused on what miss chloe or the psychic friends network or those tarot cards or the ouija board or something like that so it doesn't always have to be people think it's always has to be it always has to be something like nefarious like like the demons are going to come and that's the common yeah. you know thing that they like to think but they're also missing out on some of the subtleties of just everyday yeah. life of following God and looking to him for leading and guidance because then we start to turn to ourselves and then not only are we being drawn away, but we're also missing out on all the benefits and all the blessings that God has for us because yeah. now we're just trying to focus in on what Miss Chloe or whomever told us that we need to do and look for, and that's what we go after. I think that's a, such an important point, Son, and, and I like that word you use, nefarious, because um, you're exactly right. Uh, Satan, most of the time, isn't necessarily coming to people through those things because, you know, most people aren't going to be dabbling with a Ouija board or attending a seance or, or messing with tarot cards, although there are a lot of people more and more, I think, who um, turn to the uh, – 
the psychic hotline and, and that that's a very dangerous thing. Um, but, but I think most of the time Satan works through things that are much closer to home. For example, um, who hasn't experienced, um, you know, times of, of intense anger, for example, uh, and in Ephesians, it says in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, what's interesting about that son in that one verse there at Ephesians, um, the Holy Spirit is giving us a tremendous insight into how the devil gains access, um, I'll say, around us as, as, as believers. Um, uh, I, I don't believe for a second that Satan can possess a believer. Um, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Christ lives in us. Uh, our body is a temple of God himself. Uh, but Satan can oppress us from the outside. And so that verse in Ephesians is saying, don't give the devil a foothold. Um, you, you could think about it like, um, you know, getting a hook into your skin and, and then being, being dragged away. I mean, I mean, how painful would that be if somebody had a fishing hook and they accidentally, you know, threw cast their line and got stuck, you know, in, in your skin. Well, um, this is what, what Satan wants to do. He wants to get a, a, a hook in a Christian. And if you go to bed at night angry, uh, you know, you, you haven't been messing with a Ouija board or tarot cards or seances or anything, any of those nefarious things, but you're going to bed at night holding a grudge. That's all Satan needs. He doesn't need a Ouija board to, to oppress you. Uh, he just needs you and I to give him access to us by, by committing sin that we, we, we hang on to and, and we let it kind of become entrenched rather than confessing it to God and, and being liberated from the bondage of that thing. So, so I think you're right. I mean, um, the nefarious things, I mean, we, we, we think about those a little bit more at Halloween. Um, some people, sadly, that's, that's their life all year round, you know, participating in occultic things. Um, but I'll tell you what, son, those people are, are trapped in, in darkness. And, and, um, you know, I read an interesting thing from a, um, a, a woman who's been delivered out of that. And uh, she and her mother, uh, you know, both uh, over in England, they, they were involved uh, in um, some of those activities for years. But what was interesting is that um, she said, for example, that they don't they don't mess around with with Ouija boards themselves because um, it, it's way too unpredictable uh, for them, uh, e even though they dabble with with, uh, you know, you know, dark spiritual things. Um, but the other thing she, she said is that, and a lot of times people don't know this, but, you know, people who engage in, in witchcraft or, uh, you know, spiritual practices on the dark side, they often come under spiritual attacks by these spirits. And, and, you know, you, you don't hear that from somebody who maybe is advertising, um, for a psychic hotline. Um, what doors that, that, that opens. I mean, you know, there, there are people who've given, you know, testimonies. I just heard one the other day from a guy on a radio program. Um, uh, I, I think it's called Kundalini or Kandalini yoga, but anyway, he, he was, he was involved in, in yoga, which is rude as a spiritual thing. And, um, and, and, and just the oppression he came under. And I, I've read other testimonies like that. When you, when you immerse yourself in something that's of an Eastern religion, that's not rooted in Christ. Um, but, but it, but it looks, it looks really good in the case of yoga. You know, it's, uh, you know, wow. I mean, how could you go wrong with exercise? Well, there are plenty of ways you can exercise 
without involving Eastern religions, which is what uh, yoga is rooted in. Um, you know, but I mean, even something that seemingly is that innocent. I mean, and today, son, you've got you know, you've got churches offering you know yoga classes. I mean, in a way, that's not that's not completely different than if if a church youth group was um, using tarot cards or you know breaking out the Ouija board at the uh, Sunday night youth event. Um, uh, simply because um, there are things um, such as these that we're talking about. That, that do open up doors and especially certain types of yoga. And, and I think ultimately, I mean, all yoga uh, ultimately kind of funnels itself in the direction of, of a spiritual path, whether a person wants to tell himself or herself that they're not doing it for spiritual reasons. Uh, what I would say to that person is, well, why not then just do an exercise plan that is not rooted in Eastern religion? Because this is what gives, um, you know, Satan access to a person's life, uh, false religion, but also um, false practices. And by that, I mean sinful practices, whether it be holding a grudge, whether it be engaging in sexual sin. Um, I mean, that's a huge one that the enemy works through, um, whether it be engaging in gossip um, or, or really any sin uh, is going to open up a door for Satan to oppress you unless you repent of it. You confess it to God, you repent of it, and, and you just ask Jesus to cleanse you from it. Um, and you know, just like you said, son, I mean, uh, people have walked into a, a, a store to buy a board game. And, and if they don't have any idea what, what a Ouija board is, I mean, how is that any different than Monopoly? Or they've been looking in line for a, um, an exercise class and they see something with yoga and think, well, how is that any different? Well, research and you'll see. Um, you'll see that it's different. And, and some uh, approaches are even um you know, uh, far more geared toward, um, you know, the Eastern uh, religious uh, approach to it. So a person has to be discerning. And the Bible says, test the spirits, um, test the spirits. In other words, there's a spirit behind, um, you know, uh, the, these different things many times and test the spirits. Is that, you know, is the spirit behind the tarot cards? You know, is that of the Lord? Is the spirit behind a psychic hotline? Uh, is that of the Lord? Is the spirit behind a seance? Is that behind the Lord uh, of the Lord is the spirit behind holding a grudge, you know, because, because a person gets taken over in a way, I mean, who hasn't come under that, 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 that passion where your anger just gets the best of you. Well, I mean, the spirits, the evil spirits jump all over that. And, and, and the Lord wants to help us. Um, you know, the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we cooperate a, a lot of times with the darkness. Um, if, if we become harsh, or if we hold a grudge, um, and, and hey, we're human. So, you know, these things, I mean, we're, we're, we're susceptible to that. Um, but thankfully, Jesus and his blood uh, and his cross deliver us. The demons hate the blood of Jesus. They hate the cross. Um, you know, um, this time of year also, Son, you know, I'm reminded uh, of an article I wrote years ago entitled How to Say No uh, to Nightmares. And, um you know, if, if anybody listening, you know, if you ever experience nightmares or you or your children, um, it's very important that before you go to sleep at night, ask the blood of Jesus to guard your dreams, to guard your sleep. Um, demons hate the blood of Jesus. And, um, you know, Martin Luther, I mean, speaking of the Reformation, and he was such a central figure in that, um, as he was exposing some of the, the things going on in the Catholic Church that needed to be dealt with, uh, but Martin Luther was of the opinion that nightmares come from demons. And I, I share that opinion. You know, a nightmare is something 
um, more some than just the, you know, kind of the weird dreams that all of us can have. And most of which we probably don't even remember our dreams, but, um, but nightmares are, are, are of a different uh, sort. And, and nightmares, uh, I, I, I really do believe, um, have a demonic origin. And, and it's not God's will that his uh, children suffer from, from nightmares. Um, y- there's no reason, uh, there's no reason that God would ever want you as a child of God to suffer from a nightmare. So you can pray those things away. You can pray protection over yourself um, from that nightmares, from those nightmares that you're having. You know, have somebody pray with you and pray for you. And, and, uh, I mean, I've had people tell me that when they started praying the blood of Jesus over their dreams, I mean, Hey, the night, the nightmare stopped. Um, now I had an other interesting story one time too, though, son, from years ago, there was a mother and, um, she'd heard me mention something about the occult in a sermon. And, and, and I happened to mention a few little artifacts and things. And, and I think I mentioned something about like an Indian dream catcher and how, you know, some people rely on that, you know, to have good dreams. Um, but, but if you think about, you know, the Indian spirit religions and so forth, I mean, that's going to be a different spirit than, than the Holy spirit. So anyway, she said to me, Hey, uh, my daughter's having, um, you know, all these nightmares, but, um, or every night and she has a dream catcher, but I heard what you said in that message and we took her dream catcher down and the nightmare stopped. So somebody might say, son, well, that was a coincidence. Well, I don't think it was, um, you know, um, we have to be aware of what we're surrounding ourselves with and, and what, what is rooted in, um, and, and something as innocent as a dream catcher, seemingly innocent or seemingly as innocent as a yoga class, you know, or seemingly as innocent as calling a psychic hotline. Um, these are all areas that have a spiritual component that is not from the Holy Spirit. And that's what opens the door to the demons. You know, um, they're not just generic things that don't have a spiritual component. Um, but it's those things that have that, that spiritual component uh, that the devil works through. And, of course, as I said before, Son, the biggest one, of course, is just sin. Um, you know, sins that we commit open up the door to the enemy. And uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I mean, we would, we would uh, you know, we, we would really be in trouble. You know, Dan, question for you. I don't mean to put you on the spot if it's a, a spotful question, but you mentioned the Ouija board. You mentioned the Dreamcatcher. You know, when you watch yeah. uh, some horror movies or like that, I mean, I, I know in the past I've never seen it. I don't know. I can't remember mm-hmm. if you've saw it, but the, the movie The Exorcist, for example, you know, there's there's horror movies out there like that where they, they'll bring in a priest or somebody and they'll have the holy mm-hmm. water and they'll have the cross and they'll drive out right. demons that way. Um, right. Anyways, my right. point is when we're talking about this type of thing, are we talking about like, for the example, the dream catcher or, or can can inanimate objects be possessed as opposed to the, the person, you know, or is mm-hmm. it just that that is just we're putting our faith in something that isn't yeah. the, cro- the, the cross or isn't yeah. Jesus, yeah. you know, because we all know that the cross is no longer. Well, the cross no longer has the power that it once did mm-hmm. because the power of the cross was the death, which yeah. we needed for the sacrifice. But then the real power came comes, I would guess you would say, in the tomb with the resurrection mm-hmm. because that's when Jesus conquered death and that's when victory then and salvation, I guess, would truly come. Is with Because if Jesus never rose again, then we would still have no salvation because you would have to have Jesus to rise again to get the salvation, if that makes sense. And so, um, oh, absolutely, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So when when because I've had conversations with people that, and I just listen. I don't engage into it because I don't want to. Um, I don't think it's something that 
because they're so adamant on believing in these things like the tarot cards for example you know they believe that the tarot cards are going to tell me what it is that i need to know or you know this inanimate object so i've always thought you know about asking that question is it the inanimate object that is yes the point of possession or is it just we are taking our eyes off god and we're focusing on something different and that's what satan then utilizes to sneak in and and grab us yeah you know it's a good question son and you know i i think about for example like in the new testament when um when when jesus drove the demons out of those two demon-possessed men and he sent them into that herd of pigs and that was interesting that that uh in fact the demons uh they they wanted that they 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 wanted to go into the herd of pigs they um they, they did not want jesus to um to torture them. They said, if you come here to torture us before the appointed time, they know that they'll be tortured throughout eternity. That is their eternal fate due to their rebellion uh, along with their master, Satan. So they know they're going to be tortured throughout eternity. They just didn't want, they were afraid that Jesus was going to torture them right there. And by the way, demons are terrified of Jesus. So the devil wants you to think and, and demons want, want people to think that you have to be scared of them. Well, um, stay close to Jesus. And, you know, demons are capable of being terrified themselves, as we see in that very, uh, in that very story there. But, but so to answer your question, as far as inanimate objects, now, that's kind of an interesting one because, you know, we, we see in the Bible that, as I say, the, these pigs, uh, you know, uh, they seem to be able to go into these pigs. Um, you know, I, I, ha- I don't necessarily think of like a dream catcher or a Ouija board as necessarily being, you know, possessed by demons, those objects, although maybe that is what's happening. But, but at, a, at a minimum, there are certain objects that, that, give them access. It, it seems to open up these spiritual doors. So whether they're actually in the object or not, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of stories, especially on the mission field and other countries. I mean, I, I, I've read stories, for example, of like, you know, may, maybe you have a village in Africa where, you know, fire just shoots out of a tree and, and it's related to, um, you know, the ancestral worship of, of the gods that these people have worshiping, mean, all sorts of, of, of things with, with, you know, uh, whether it be trees or, or, or other things like, this, um, you know, I know in popular culture. Oh, and I, I didn't ask, answer your question, but I mean, I've never watched the movie The Exorcist because to me, uh, I have no interest. To, to me, it's just not, to me, it, it's, um, I don't know, it's not something that I've ever felt uh, drawn to watch. I mean, to me, um, I fully believe in the power of demons being exercised, but I, I don't think it's something that we as Christians should ever really um, put ourselves around um, from an entertainment standpoint, which is really what like the movie would be. And I, so I, I think I'm just not, um, I don't have peace with, with, with watching that to me. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's not something that I'd, I'd ever want to watch. Now I do know also, and I, I, I don't watch these shows, but what there's, there's this whole deal with, with Chucky and what these possessed dolls or whatever. So that's an inanimate object. So um, I mean, there was what, the, the movie, what Christine about that, 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 that black car that was supposedly possessed. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, whether, whether the demons actually dwell, you know, somehow within these objects or whether they're just using maybe those objects. I mean, um, you know, what, what is necessary for a demon to, to get, 
on the inside? I mean, do you have to be like a human being or an animal? I mean, we know human beings can be possessed because the Bible talks about people who were possessed. Um, we, we know that, you know, the demons were able to go into the herd of pigs, it seems, from, from what was said. But um, I, I, I don't know that we necessarily will know for sure whether they're in an object like a like a Ouija board or whether they're just using that, but we know they use it, and we know that when people dabble with it, um, it opens up the door in for for them to be oppressed by by demons, and 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 so um, this is why uh, we have to we have to really be discerning on on what activities we're going to be participating in, um, and. Uh, uh, and then what, what sorts of things we're going to be relying upon, you know, am I going to rely upon a psychic uh, hotline or upon the Lord and his word? Am I going to rely upon a seance or am I going to rely upon the God who, who made me and, and my loved ones and everyone else? So, yeah, so, but that's a good question, Son. And, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, conclusively, uh, what, what, what to make of, of, of that exactly. Well, I bring up the exorcist because I believe if I remember correctly, the exorcist, involved a Ouija board and thus, I mean, some other things, but I know a Ouija board was thus the kind of point of possession or something like that. But a Ouija board was involved, and so that's the correlation between the Exorcist movie and the Ouija board for the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, now, switching gears a little bit. So basically for me to, as we switch gears, I want to talk about the Reformation for, for a little bit. Um, so you when you have the things like the Ouija boards, the tarot cards, things like that. Basically, to me, when I talk to other people, I simply just state, you know what, for me, I'd rather focus on God, focus on the Bible, focus on Jesus, focus on that, because it doesn't matter. You could take your focus off of God and put it into baseball. You could put it into music. You could put it into little puppies. It doesn't matter. Once you take your eyes off of Jesus, then that's when Satan has the opening to go in and get you. So it doesn't really matter what you're going to take your eyes off and put onto because that's the opening. But some of these things that do come up, especially at this time of year, because things are active at this time of year, I think a little bit more because you've got the Halloween. I know, and I think it's, uh, I think it's specifically Mexican culture, but maybe it's a a broader Hispanic culture. You've got the the day of the dead, you know, where they celebrate uh, people that have passed on before you've got, um, you know, and then and then that battles with you know um, Reformation and um, All Saints Day. You know, all these things kind of kind of merge yeah. together this year about the same time. And so, yeah. um, you know, October thirty first, twenty twenty one is going to be Reformation Sunday, and that's when oh. uh, you know Martin Luther nailed the ninety five theses to the church door, basically the ninety five proclamations of what he didn't agree with with the Catholic Church. And I find it uh-huh. interesting that when I was looking through them at one point. Um, a lot of them had to do with like the money aspect of the Catholic Church, like paying uh, penance, you know, giving indulgences, you know, things like that. A lot of them were kind of money related, but then there are a lot of other important issues there as well. But you know, could you just kind of because right. everyone's focusing on the Halloween aspect this year, especially because mm-hmm, it falls on mm-hmm. Sunday, but nobody's really talking about the Reformation side of life, and that falls on a Sunday. Yeah. So maybe you can kind yeah. of just touch on the significance and importance of the Reformation for us, and then we can kind of get into the conversation a little bet. bit. You bet. So I know. Great, great thought. Um, and, and I will just throw in there because I thought as when you were talking that, you know, the other the other thing we've seen such a rise in in America is is with witchcraft. And, you know, when people engage in witchcraft, they, of course, are dabbling with uh, dark spirits. And, you know, the, the more witches you have in a 
in a city or in a nation. I mean, you know, the, the more of those bad, evil spirits that are going to be, you know, hovering around as a result of their, their little spells and their, their little things that they do. In fact, I read a year or two ago that, uh, you know, they said there are now more witches in America than Presbyterians. Um, so, so witchcraft has been on the rise as, as people have lost sight of, of the Lord, um, are, are not in many cases, uh, being grounded in, in scripture. Um, so anyway, I just thought I would throw that in. That's a whole other dynamic that adds to the, and, and of course at Halloween, I mean, um, you know, Halloween is a, is, is a high holy day for Satanists. So, I mean, there, there just seems to be a lot of evil activity going on at that time. But as you say now, son, as we kind of pivot though to the real, uh, power, um, the power of the gospel and the reformation, um, as you say, uh, back in, in Luther's time, you know, 500 years ago, the Catholic church was selling what they called, uh, indulgences. And so you, you could supposedly, you know, pay, uh, a certain amount of money, um, to help a loved one, you know, get out of purgatory or get into heaven and, and, and basically buy your own, you know, pay for your own, um, way out of those places when you die. And so it was all a money-making gimmick. I mean, nothing could be more corrupt or satanic than that. And so that was the sort of thing Luther was, was facing. Um, now, really underneath um, that evil practice of selling indulgences was, was the, the root problem in the Catholic church. Um, and, and that is that, that they weren't proclaiming the gospel. Uh, they weren't telling people that you can be justified before God by faith in Christ alone. And, 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 and so they were, they were mixing the law and the gospel. And, and of course, Luther himself, I mean, he'd been baptized as an infant. He'd been raised in the Catholic church, but I mean, it took, it took Luther, you know, uh, into his twenties or early thirties. I mean, before he understood the gospel after much wrestling himself with, with, you know, Hey, how can I make God, you know, accept me? And so he tried every way he knew how, I mean, Luther is said to have, um, you know, sometimes slept outside in the winter without a coat because he thought, well, if I punish my body, it will help my soul or he would whip himself, you know, and if I punish my body, it will help my soul. Well, it was very misplaced his focus. Um, what he finally found out son is that Jesus took the whipping. Jesus took the, the scourging, the nails, the cross, the suffering, the death, that we could never have have um, done enough of to, to pay for even one of our sins. And yet the perfect lamb of God who was slain on the cross 2000 years ago, um, he died for the sins of the world so that anyone today can come to the Lord and bring their sin to the Lord and be forgiven because their sin was paid for at the cross. And, and all we need to do is, is trust the savior. Uh, all we need to do is look to the Lord and believe. So that was what the reformation was about. It wasn't that Luther was necessarily looking to leave the Catholic church. Um, he, he, but he knew it needed reformation. Um, but, but, you know, as he, as he came into the light and into the understanding of the gospel, you know, the verse that, or a verse that really was huge for Luther was Romans one seventeen that says the righteous or the just shall live by faith. And up until that point, son, Luther had been trying to earn his way. He'd been trying to work his way. He'd been trying to punish himself, uh, punish his body in hopes of, you know, being accepted by God. But all of it, he just, none of it, none of it was bringing him any closer to God or any peace at all. But then he learned in the gospel that there is a righteousness from God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
not by works, not by the law, not by our doing or our, our suffering or anything, but it's, it's, it's do it's, it comes through the suffering of Jesus, the Messiah. And, and, you know, you, you would think that, well, wouldn't they have all known that back then? Of course not. Just like many people don't know that today because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Uh, it says in second uh, Corinthians so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So Luther didn't see it until he saw it, you know, he didn't know it until he knew it. Um, he didn't believe it until he came to faith. Um, but, but this is the mystery of the gospel and, and it takes the work of the Holy spirit. But, but that was what changed Luther's life and sparked the reformation. And it all had to do with the gospel. So the fact that the Catholic church was selling indulgences, that was symptomatic of their deeper issue. They didn't have the gospel. And, um, you know, to this day, you know, a person has to wonder, I mean, you know, even, I mean, even after you meet some wonderful, you know, Catholic individuals who, who seem to be trusting Christ, you know, but you have to wonder why don't we hear um, any Pope just proclaim the gospel? You know, why don't we hear any Pope just say that, Hey, you don't have to try to work your way to heaven anymore. Catholics, you know, you, you can know that you're saved by grace through faith. But, you know, the Catholic Church has is, is, is really come out um, over the years and, and basically said, no, I mean, um, you know, we, we, we don't accept that. We don't teach that uh, in what their second council of Trent. I mean, they, they've come out and, and just basically said, Son, that, you know, uh, if anyone says that you're justified by faith alone, um, you know, let him be, you know, anathema or let him be, you know, condemned. I mean, um it's kind of scary when you start to get into Catholic doctrine, um, because on one hand, you know, they, they, they have the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, um, but, but why, why do they emphasize works as part of your salvation? That's the key. That's what, if they could let go of that son, but, but, you know, this is the difference between, you know, most Christian churches and the Catholic church is that most Christian churches understand we're saved by grace through faith. The Catholic church is driven by this idea. No, 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 no. It's not that simple. You got to jump through these hoops and then maybe God will accept you. But, but, but son, that's messed up. Um, nobody then can, can, can be saved that way because whoever does enough. So, so um, no wonder Martin Luther wasn't saved in the Catholic church. Now, are there people in the Catholic church saved today? Well, yes, wherever they accept the gospel. But the question is, where are they hearing the gospel? And, and um, you know, how many priests are, are proclaiming the gospel or are they adding law to it? So you'd have to talk to every individual priest to see, you know, whether he understands and believes the gospel. Um, but it all boils down to, do, do they think their works save them? Um, or do they think Christ alone saves them? Uh, because, you know, Protestants, you know, have never said that works aren't important. But what Protestants have always said from the time of the Reformation, is, is that our, our works are not meritorious. They don't merit God's acceptance or God's forgiveness uh, of us. Um, and, and so that's the key. That's what Luther came to understand. And, you know, even today, son, you know, if you talk to a lot of Catholics, um, you know, it's, it's troubling when, when Catholics maybe, they, they start to seem to maybe be coming out of some of those, those, uh, some of the bondage that they're in, but then they'll talk about, you know, praying, you know, uh, as far as purgatory, praying somebody out of purgatory or, or, you know, 
praying to Mary or praying to the saints or we got to do this or we got to do that. And, and ultimately, son, at its core, then it, it seems to be a works righteousness based religious group, which is really sad to say. Um, maybe that'll change. You know, maybe a pope will come out and say, you know what? I believe in the gospel. But, but if somebody were to compare the message of Billy Graham with the messages of the Pope, what you'd see, son, is you'd hear a lot of religious messages from the Pope and really a lot of good being done, too, for people in terms of just, you know, social uh, assistance and so forth. And, and my goodness, I mean, look how many Catholics are taking a stand against the evil of abortion. And, and so a lot of good is being done by Catholics. But, but I'm still waiting for just one Pope to stand up and say, you know what? <laughs> We Catholics need to stop trying to earn our way to heaven. You know, we, we need to change that message. Um, and I'm not sure that that memo has ever really been, um, well, I don't see any evidence that that memo has ever been received by Rome, by the Vatican, by the Pope, by their hierarchy, their out-of-town church bureaucracy. Um, I mean, why all the pop, pomp and circumstance? And by the way, um, as we're talking about the Reformation, son, when did Jesus himself, ever go around and, 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 and put on all these flowing robes the way the Pharisees did and kind of, you know, I mean, he was the head and he is the head of the church and he didn't lord it over anybody. Um, he, he served. Um, and you never saw anyone, any of his apostles doing that, even though the Catholics might like to say that Peter, you know, the, the church was built on Peter. Well, <clears throat> when did Peter ever go around and, and claim, you know, to call him, you know, uh, like father, so and so, or holy father. How about that? Holy father. Um, Jesus never taught uh, that sort of thing. Don't, don't go around and, and have people think that you're some superior being. So <clears throat> the whole system, while it entertains people, um, some people, and it, and, and it, it interests some people, <clears throat> and some people find it intriguing, um, if you try to square it with the Bible, um, nobody walked around saying, call me Holy Father, or kiss my ring, or, or pray to these dead people. Um, I mean, and, and so good works that are being done, son, they don't offset a bad message. And if the message does not have the gospel, then people aren't going to be saved. You know, people aren't saved by a works righteous message. Well, boy, that Pope was a great guy. You know, people say, well, John Paul, he was sure a great guy. Or Mother Teresa was sure a great person. Okay. I mean, who doesn't admire the work that Mother Teresa did? But when all is said and done, it still comes down to whether you're Mother Teresa, Martin Luther, you know, you or I, it comes down to, am I saved by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, which is what the Protestant, um, you know, uh, just whole movement was about uh, as it was 2000 years ago. That's what Acts was about. You know, that's what the early church, that's what Christianity has been about for 2000 years. Or is it what, like they were teaching in Galatians? No, you're not saved unless you jump through this hoop or that hoop. And, and so, San, I tell you, um, the Reformation was needed 500 years ago. And um, I guess we can pray that maybe one day a pope will stand up and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Don't set yourself off as a different kind of a church from, from Christians. I mean, that's what the Mormon church does. And the Catholic Church and the Mormon Church, in that regard, they have a lot in common. The Catholic Mormon organization um, has a lot in common with the Catholic organization because they ultimately keep pushing people to their works, to their works, to their works. And the Protestants say, um, yeah, works are very important. Do all kinds of works. 
but don't do them in order to be saved. Do them because you've been saved. And just think, son, if like the Pope and some Christian leaders would stand up, go on TV and say, you know what? We now agree on the gospel and we're going to start proclaiming this. We're going to have our priests start proclaiming this. Um, I mean, what a difference that could make in the lives of millions and millions of Catholics. In the meantime, they're just kind of left to find scraps wherever they can find them. You know, any Catholics who do know the gospel or any program that has the gospel, um, uh, and they just have to kind of avoid the landmines of like purgatory and praying to Mary and praying to, praying to saints and, 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 and all these other things that, that just cloud the gospel. And I'm not saying, son, there aren't things, and we've talked about a lot of them, that there aren't things in, in Protestant churches that get in the way of the gospel. There are. But, but we were talking about the Reformation, and that really was, was kind of a, uh, a launching pad away from the Catholic practices and the Catholic doctrine. And, and so that's why I think today, as we talk about it, um, I think it is important to address some of those things. It's almost like we need another Reformation today because there's a lot of things that are going on in the church that don't belong in the church a lot of false teachings that are going on in the church that don't belong in the church. And I think a lot of it, too, has to do with the fact that, if I may, from a layman's perspective, put the correlation into play, back in, not that I was there, but back in the Reformation days, I guess, the Catholic Church, you know, you, re, you, were, you relied on the priest to kind of tell you what's up. And what I mean by that is Bibles weren't readily available, and so not everybody carried a Bible, and you'd have to rely on the interpretation of the priest and they would um, basically tell you what's up. And that's why I think a lot of false doctrine in the Catholic Church got there because the greed of the of the priests would take over and then they could start preaching these things. Because I think during that time, there was something, if I recall, about the St. Peter's Cathedral where it was, I think Martin Luther was talking about how, you know, the Pope has become the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest people in the world, or at least in the church world, and yet he's building St. Peter's Cathedral with the taxpayer or the poor people's money as opposed to his own or something like that. So I know there was a lot of wealth that was being accumulated by the Pope and priests at that time. But again, I think there wasn't that access directly to God with a Bible and through prayer and stuff like that because of the teachings of the church that Martin Luther eventually exposed and opened up. So I think that was one of the things that Martin Luther wrote against was that he doesn't have to go to a priest to confess. He could go straight to God. So it kind of like opened up that door to go straight to God, and that was a violation, and then and that's what the Catholic Church didn't like. Now today I see a lot of places, a lot of people, they're doing the same thing. They're just relying, they're kind of being lazy, lazy Christians. They're just relying mm-hmm. on their pastor or their mentor or their – you know, whomever that puts stuff on Twitter or social media that claims to be a Christian or claims to know God, you know, and they're just relying on what they say, and they're not going to the Bible. You know, they're not going to the Bible. They're not going to do their own study. They're not going to do their own prayer. They're not doing their own, you know, be still and know that I'm God and listen to that still small voice. You know, there's all mm-hmm. these things that are kind of correlation in my mind that that was problematic back then that's problematic now you know we have direct access to god we've got probably 18 bibles on our shelves and yet we don't read them we've got you know any number of churches we can go to we've got all kinds of social media we've got all kinds of access online you know and so we can if we if there's something out there that's kind of you know if we're really in tune to the holy spirit too he will tell us that hey this is kind of fishy and that's what happens to me I'm not saying that I'm you know that in tune that I get you know preferential treatment but I've been grounded in the word from day 1 that when something is amiss or a bell goes off and it could be something 
innocent, like, okay, I just had a misunderstanding of what the person said, or maybe I didn't really fully think of it through this way. So it's a new enlightened thing for me. Like, you know, a a pastor says something. I'm like, "Mm, I didn't really think about that. But a bell would go off in my mind and be like, dude, I need to check this out. I need to go to scripture and check this out. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's false. And I'm going to go to the the Bible to even reaffirm that it's false and, you know. But anyway, so I don't know if that makes sense, but it's almost like we need another reformation because there's a lot of things going on in the church today that needs to be kicked out. And I think it would take more than 95 nailed to the door in order to get a true reformation in today's day and age. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, Son. Uh, there are lots of things that, that need to be kicked out. And, you know, um, I think if a person who's listening today just kind of wanted to have a kind of a fairly simple way to wrap their mind around, well, what was the Reformation all about 500 years ago? And, and is it still an important issue today? Um, you know, the, the, the theological terms justification and sanctification are so critical because if you understand the biblical teaching of justification um, and the biblical teaching of sanctification, you are going to have a grasp on, on the gospel. Um, justification in the Bible is something found that happens when a person is trusting Christ alone for salvation. They are then said to be justified. And, and a simple way to remember that is when I'm justified, God looks at me justified, never sinned. I mean, that's just kind of a, an easy way to remember that if that helps a person. But um, the foundation is laid. Everything after that son is sanctification in the Christian life. And that's going to have ups and downs. Um, that's going to have some days better than others. That's going to have um, different levels of obedience in different areas of your life as you're growing, or maybe you're taking a step back in this area, but you're growing in that area. But, but sanctification is God's working on the Christian uh, to help us become more like Christ. But we were justified back when we trusted Christ. This is what the Bible teaches, and that's why the, the Protestant uh, doctrine um, it lines up with that. The, the problem that was going on in the Catholic Church back then, and even to this day, is, is a very, really, if you look at it, it's a very simple problem, and everything else stems from that. Um, they mingle justification and sanctification, son. They, they, they basically teach that you're not really justified until you're sanctified enough. And nobody really ever knows when that is. And so you have to keep going back to the church to help you get a little bit more sanctified, a little bit more sanctified. Um, and the difference is you're doing that in order to be justified because that's what you're told you have to do by the church. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The, the Bible teaches, for example, in Romans, that we have been justified uh, through faith. It, it's a past tense thing. Uh, it's something that, that happens on through the working of the Holy Spirit when a soul is converted, when the Holy Spirit works repentance and faith in a person's heart. And that's what happened with Martin Luther. He lived, um, you know, for many years not being justified. Oh, he was religious. He was zealous. He was Catholic, but he wasn't justified. Um, he became justified when he trusted Christ alone for salvation, and he received that free gift. And, you know, Martin Luther said, you know, when that happened in his life, he said it was like paradise open, and it was like I was born again. Well, that's why in John 3, the Bible talks about um, being born again and, and why the Bible says you must be born again. And a lot of people have this idea, Son, when it, when it, when it comes to that, that, uh, well, you mean I got to have some, you know, real emotional experience. That's kind of what that term has come to mean, you know, in society. People say, well, I'm a born again Christian. Like, well, okay, what is that? Well, born again is synonymous with saved. That's synonymous with justified. That's synonymous with redeemed. 
That's synonymous with forgiven. So, so all born again means, son, is that a person now has been converted um, through faith in Christ, and now the Holy Spirit's living within them. Christ is living within them through faith. Um, their bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit. But, but this is what the Catholic Church was getting wrong 500 years ago, and even in the years since then. I mean, they've come out and said that if anybody says, you know, you're justified by faith alone, um, you know, let him be anathema, you know, let, let him be condemned. Well, that's completely wrong. Now, here's why they do it, son. They do it because they assume that the Protestant position is, oh, just say you believe and doesn't really matter how you live. And, and it, there's more to Christianity to that. Um, and what we would say is, yes, there is more to Christianity than that. And there will be, um, because um, a, a good tree bears good fruit. But the fruit doesn't make you uh, a certain kind of tree. It's just the evidence that you are. So they hammer away at the fruit without telling people that they're already saved. Because, because what they're actually telling them, son, when they say that justification through faith is anathema, they are completely contradicting the gospel when they do that. And, and so it, it's a miracle that anyone in the Catholic Church would ever come to faith in Christ, given that message. Now, are there individual priests that, that proclaim the gospel? I sure hope so. Um, are there any popes that proclaim the gospel? I've never heard one, and I'd love to. If anybody knows of one, please send me the link. Anything in writing. Anything on, on, on audio, please send Son the link or send me the link. And I'll tell you what, we will absolutely highlight that on this podcast, won't we, Son? I mean, I, I'd love to talk about that. Anybody who's listening, if you're aware of one time that the Pope proclaimed the gospel, and, 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 I, and I would love for him to do that, but I, I've just never heard it, Son. So, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and it doesn't look like the... Uh current pope might be doing that although there was a current time or the current pope at the time did you know come out with a few things that we had talked about that was kind of interesting that was like oh is this guy really on the right track and then he backtracks and you know does other things so yeah it's 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 one of those things that you know and i, I think that's why we need a reformation today because i think there's a lot of things that are influencing religion christianity that don't need to be there that mucks it up for the rest of it. Cause we've talked about it. We've talked about influences like, you know, a baby Christian becomes saved. Now under what type yeah. of teaching is that baby Christian going to be under and what type of, you know, religion, Christianity, are they going to be receiving? Is it going to be biblically based? Is it going to be, you know, founded in the word of God or is it going to be something that's out there on the periphery that, you know, somebody kind of is creating on their own without really fully, right. you know, yeah. being having it being uh, biblically based. Exactly, Son, exactly. And, you know, there are plenty of fringe groups like that um, that, that, that go under the name of, of Christianity. And, and you know, the, the cults that, that proliferate themselves and, and get all sorts of followers and they teach work righteousness, they don't teach the gospel, they don't teach justification, um, you know, through faith alone. The cults are very attractive to man's human nature because by nature, Son, man would love to think he can save himself. Um, and that's what the cults teach. Um, like so many um, instances in the Catholic Church where you're taught you can save yourself. Now, what we're not saying, though, Son, is that the Bible teaches just believe and then live however you want to live. In other words, you know, claim heaven while you live like hell. Um, that has never been the biblical teaching. 
Um, therefore, it's never been something the Protestant, you know, movement um, taught. I mean, at least not in its, um, you know, at, at least not by by those people who've known the word. I mean, I can't say there've never been any any individual, you know, offshoot groups that, that have gotten gotten off on that. But um, but 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 not in terms of just um, the, the Protestant movement itself. And and, and so. Um, you know, son, um, it, it really, it really is. It continues to be about the gospel. It, it continues to be about, you know, uh, teaching the word, proclaiming the word. Um, and, and the reason the cults proliferate is because people aren't grounded in the word. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of, um, just, you know, false, uh, movements and false teachings out there that, that people can get pulled into. And again, we go back to what we said earlier. This is why you have to test the spirits and compare it to the word of God. Don't take any, any religious leaders word for it, any pastor, any priest, any Pope, you know, um, look in the Bible and does the Bible teach it? If so, then accept it. If not reject it, it doesn't matter who says it. Well, my pastor said this or my priest said this. Okay. But what's the Bible say? And, and that was one of the, 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 the pillars there of the reformation song is, is scripture alone, you know, along with faith alone and grace alone, um, uh, that, that, that these, these pillars of, um, of the Reformation remain today to be the pillars of the Christian church. Um, the word of God is, is what we go by, not, not tradition. And, and here again, I mean, the Catholic church puts as much emphasis on tradition as, as the Bible. Well, that's not what Protestants do. Um, the Bible for us is the supreme authority. Tradition is way below that because you know, traditions are, are things that can change, but the word of God never changes. And, and so, um, you know, that's the only way we can stay on track is, is if we're, if we're building upon the word, building upon the gospel, relying upon God's grace, which by the way, it's the grace of God, it says in Titus, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So, so not only is the Catholic church wrong if they say that the, the Protestant movement doesn't focus on, on good works and resisting sin. I mean, that's, that's a huge part. Of the Bible, um, but you can't do that until you're justified. You can't seek to say no to sin until you're justified. Because if you do, you remain lost. You remain unsaved. Oh, you might be religious. You might be zealous, um, but you won't be accepted by God unless you go through the Son, uh, through the cross, through the blood that Jesus shed. That's the only way. And um, so it's just a shame that 500 years ago, um, you know, the Catholic Church didn't you know, listen to Martin Luther and, and, and others and say, you know what? Um, hey, I think we can learn a lot from these guys. But instead, you know, the, these two paths have kind of, you know, gone their, gone their own way. Although there's overlap, obviously, and certainly on issues like abortion and, and, and some other things, there, there's overlap. But um, if you've got one group teaching the biblical doctrine of justification and another group rejecting that very doctrine, um, then you're not going to have unity between, between the two groups. You know, Dan, that's the important thing. Uh, if you can just sum up one thing that people get from this is that, you know, what does the Bible say? Because a lot of people will just listen to what somebody says and then they won't go to the Bible, you know, and if the Bible doesn't back it, then there might be something wrong with what's being said. I mean, you know, yeah. we've had, um, 
conversation about this and and you know we've we've had conversations uh, and interviews and and you know our, our connection you and i i've heard so many conversations and sermons and stuff like that of yours throughout the years mm-hmm. with going back to the yeah. frank sontag show and stuff and you yeah. know so i'm i'm pretty knowledgeable in what your beliefs are and what you think and and stuff but yeah. there even yeah. be but but there would be a time that if i had to i would go and i would look it up in the Bible and I would question yeah, you if I had absolutely. to, because I'm not just going to rely on anybody. And like I said, there's been times where I've had Amen. to do that with others, other pastors, because I'm only going to look at the Bible as my only authoritative yeah. source yes. as to what to Good believe you, and yes. what to see. And I see a lot of other yeah. people kind of get clouded. Um, for example, back in college, there was a, a student, you know, because, you know, we go to college and then that's when our, our, our minds are really open, right? Because we want to absorb mm-hmm. all the information mm-hmm. of the teachings that's going on with the, the classes and yeah. stuff. And there was a kid that I knew that did a religious studies class. Mm-hmm. And so he had to pick a, a religion to do a report on. And he picked Mormonism and he was a devout yeah. Christian. And the next thing you know, he was talking to these Mormons and trying to get research done. And next thing he was uh, doing was he was questioning his Christian faith. And, yeah, and yeah. eventually kind of started to go toward the Mormon church. And then I lost contact with mm-hmm. him, so I don't really know what happened. Yeah. But, but sometimes yeah. it's the subtle things. That's why it has to come back to the Bible. It has to come back to the biblical principles. And through that, then, the Holy Spirit yeah. will lead us and guide us. And I think a lot of people forget about that. And they're just going to believe yeah. that XYZ pastor you know, even if it's a prominent national pastor, you know, even with Billy Graham, there's times where I have to go back and, yeah. and check, or even Jay Vernon McGee, you know, two people that I believe are, sure. are really solid in their, in their, you know, foundation as far as the faith goes and their preaching. Even there's times I have to go back and just double check to make sure that, you know, I'm understanding what they're saying and that they're not off a little bit because I'm not just going to take for granted that they're correct because they're, you know, a sinful human too. And they could have had something wrong going on and mentioned something. And then that could take me off, you know, the, the path, but, but, but it doesn't matter who it is. We have to be bold enough to know, to realize that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. And the only Holy father that Jesus talked about when he was on on earth was our father who art in heaven. And so that's where the focus really needs to be. Well, I tell you, amen to that, son. And and as you were talking, I'm just thinking, boy, you're sounding a lot like what happened in Acts 17, son, when Paul and Silas went to Berea, and uh, they went there to the Jewish synagogue. And it says in Acts 17, verse 11, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, Simon, what you just articulated a moment ago is exactly what those folks did, and it says they were of more noble character for doing that. So what does that mean? That means the person that just takes their pastor's word for it, their priest's word for it, their prophet's word for it, or whatever their religious leader is, um, you're, you're, you're not following um, the biblical way to do that. You shouldn't just take their word for it. You should never just take I don't care if it's a pastor, priest, pope, whoever it is, uh, some guru. Um you have to do just what San just said. You have to compare it to Scripture because Scripture is inerrant. Uh, man is is fallible. Um, popes are fallible. Pastors, priests are fallible. Religious leaders are fallible. Um, you, you should never just take what they say at face value and say, oh, well, I mean, he, he said it or she said it, so it's true. You know, um, no. 
you know, it doesn't matter uh, who said it. Um, it. It boils down to um, it boils down to what the word says. And so, um, yeah, I love I love how you put that song. And and, uh, and and it's so appropriate that we're talking about that, because, I mean, that was at the heart of the Reformation, the word of God. And, and that's where, um, you know, why Martin Luther wrote the 95 Theses, because um, he learned how to base his beliefs on the Bible. Um, rather than on the traditions of the church in which he was raised. And where those things um, were in conflict, Luther said, I'm going to stand with the word. You know, his, his famous statement, you know, here I stand. You know, they, 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 they tried to get him to, um, you know, recant what, what, what he had said and what he had written. He said, no, I mean, here I stand. I can do no other. You know, he said, my conscience is bound to the word of God. And uh, by, by the way, so, you know, any listener who'd really want to uh, see a movie, there, there's a black and white movie about Luther that, that came out decades ago. You could find it on like YouTube, uh, but just look up a movie about Martin Luther. Um, and, oh, it is so entertaining. I mean, you'll watch this. You'll be like, hey, how did they get Luther to play that, you know, play himself? I mean, it is it is so good, Son. And, um, you know, anybody who kind of just wants to get a, a general overview a little bit of, uh, of the Reformation, um, in fact, uh, while we're talking here, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up real quick online so I can tell somebody maybe exactly, um, you know, what, what, what to look for on there. Uh, but it is, uh, yeah, it is just really, really good. And so, um, it's, and then there are different Luther movies that have been made, you know, but, but, uh, I, I, I'm talking about the one that was done in, uh, in black and white and, um, uh, it might've been, it might've been this one here. Let's see in 19, uh, called, uh, Martin Luther, uh, biography, 1953. Let me see if this is the one. Um, yes, that's the one song. So if somebody, if somebody just Googled, uh, Martin Luther, 1953 biography, um, you want to see a, a, a good, it's, it's entertaining, but more than that, it's very instructional. And, and like I say, uh, you know, when we get to heaven one day, uh, we might find that, that this guy who played this part is like the twin brother to Luther. So I'm going, man, he did a good job. So Martin Luther, 1953 biography, that's the YouTube title that it has. And you, anybody could, it's, uh, you know, just some pull up online. And actually this here song is like an hour and 46 minutes, I guess. But boy, it it is good. I saw it years ago and I've seen it since then. But uh, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, the other thing, too, that I would recommend if people are just interested in having a handy resource that isn't really bogged down with all types of theology is uh, Martin mm-hmm. Luther's small catechism. You know, that's something mm-hmm. that I think is just, uh, you know, it's a, it's, there's a lot in it, but it's all really condensed to the simplicity of just a relationship yeah. between, you know, God and man or you, you know, me personally and God. And it really kind of has just some small little tidbits in there that uh, are really resourceful. That was basically Martin Luther just talking about the relationship between him and God. And uh, again, yeah. it's not the Bible; doesn't replace the Bible, um, right? You know, right. Like that, but it's but it it's, has a lot of scripture in yeah. it. Though, so oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And it's but it's a nice little resource to have. Uh, you know, you if you need bet. to pull it off the shelf and and get gather some, uh, you know, uh, uh, additional information. And yeah. one and yeah. one last yeah. fact, and I'll let yeah. you go because I know mm-hmm. we've kind of mm-hmm. gone a little extra. But sure. um, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, Halloween. We we're talking earlier about witches and the Ouija board and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we talked mm-hmm. about how Hasbro mm-hmm. or Milton Bradley has the patent 
for the Ouija board in Milton Bradley is actually based out of Salem, Massachusetts. And Salem obviously was hmm. the place where all the witches, witch trials yeah. and stuff took place. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, I'm not saying it is, but sometimes coincidences yeah. aren't coincidences and there'll right. be things that pop up that we have to be careful about either way, either whether it's dealing with Halloween or whether we're dealing right. with something like day of the dead or if we're dealing with something like Reformation or the Christian church or, mm-hmm. you know, what a pastor said, because even in the Christian church, you know, there's a lot of people that want to come out. I mean, you take a look at, um, what is it? The, uh, you know, the, 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 like the Southern Baptist conference or whatever that is, you know, there'll mm-hmm. be, there'll be little things in the church or any denomination that has a, an agenda, that they want to push and the people that are kind of under that umbrella then start pushing the Mm -hmm. same, you know, theological or religious agenda on things. Mm -hmm. And it could be something that then, you know, fundamentally changes scripture or the gospel message. And it's not, you know, compared to the Bible. So anyways, point being is that, you know, a, we need to be careful. We need to keep our eyes on God, on the cross, (laughs) on Jesus, realize that, you know, we have to do our due diligence and we have to read and pray and do our part so that God, because the relationship between us and God, it's not a relationship between us and God through our pastor or us and God through our mentor or us and God, you know, that's what Reformation did away with. We can go directly to God and it's a one-on-one relationship. And if we're not putting our part in, then the relationship is going to die and wither. And it's not because God's not there. It's because we've left him. Oh, absolutely. I'm very, very well said. And, uh, boy, what a, what a wonderful, uh, discussion uh, you know as we are just now a couple days out from from reformation day and and as we uh, as we celebrate the gospel uh, what a what a blessing uh, to know that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ and and that anyone listening today son all they need to do is place their faith in Christ not in your works trust in Christ and receive him as your savior and and uh, and you'll be forgiven uh, you'll be born again saved justified and redeemed and then you'll be motivated to want to live for God not in order to be saved but because you've been saved. That's the key to, to the Reformation. But even more important than that, that's the key to your own salvation and your eternal life in heaven is placing your faith in Christ alone, being justified by Christ alone. And then, yes, going to work for him every day, every hour, but you'll be doing it with a different motivation than those who are trying to jump through the hoops, make themselves righteous. And at the end of their life, you know what they find out? Um, they never did one good work in God's eyes because you don't do your first good work until you're justified. God doesn't accept any of it. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So, so this is huge, Son, and uh, it's just been a joy once again to be able to you know visit with you about these critical issues. Dan Delzell, pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. If you're looking for a good church to attend in eastern uh, Nebraska or western uh, Iowa, we wanted to check out. He also authors many articles at thechristianpost.com, which you can check out. Um, and if you're not in the area, you can probably reach out to Dan um, to, you know, kind of get leads on a good church somewhere. And if someone wants to reach out, Dan, where could they find you? They could email me at dandelzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, at cox.net. Once again, Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and we look forward to many more conversations, uh, God willing. Thank you so much, Son. I sure look forward to it as well. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.